So this they did. What an incredible scene. I, I want you to try and imagine it in your mind's eye. There's this nation of people, over 2 million people. It's just a, it's just a mass. It's like a, it's, it's a small country camped on the one side of this river. They're about to cross over the Jordan River into the land of promise, right near where Jericho is in this little town. They, they're about to cross over. But there's this massive river in flood season, and the river's coming down, and they can't cross. And so God instructs them to take up the Ark of the Covenant. So the Levites, they, the priests, they grab the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, and they march to the edge of the river, and as they get there, as they put their foot on the water, it stops. And we're told that the water piled up a, a couple of kilometers upstream, upstream. This water just piled up into a wall and just stayed there. And the priests went in with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. They went in and they stood in the middle of the river. And as long as they stood there, the water stayed piled up. And the people start to march across on dry ground making sure that they're not too close to the ark. But they, they move downstream from the ark, and they, 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 they cross, and they, just this massive movement. Can you just see this huge mass of people just crossing over? And as they go, they've selected one man from each of the 12 tribes. And he goes up, and, and, and they're allowed to go near to where the ark is, and they go up to near where the ark is, and in the riverbed, they find a rock. And each one takes the rock, and he puts it on his shoulders. And when the people have passed through, these 12 men come through as well and they place their rock on the land on the other side. Look at me with chapter, at chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan right where the priests stood and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you might stay tonight. So this they did. And Joshua explained to them why they needed to do this. Because this is a strange thing. I think it's a pretty incredible thing. It's a miraculous thing. It's something pretty spectacular that God would stop the waters again he opened the Red Sea, and this time now he's drying up the river and that the people would pass through on dry ground, that he would do this again, and that this generation would see it because some of these kids hadn't been born when they went through the Red Sea. The youngest of them were 40 years old. They needed to see this happen again, and they did. But why carry the rocks? What's the rocks all about? What do you need to go and get rocks out of the middle of a river for and put them on the far, on the far bank? What's that all about? Well, Joshua doesn't leave them guessing. He tells them, look at chapter 4, verse 6. This will serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these rocks mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut, were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Jump over the, to the next passage, chapter 4, verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. 
it said to the Israelite, uh, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before, uh, before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So here's the thing. The stones were themselves just stones. In and of themselves, they were intrinsically worthless. They were, they were nothing. They could have gone back into a river and pulled out another 12, two, another 200, another 300. It didn't matter. Stones in themselves were not of any value. But the stones carried out of the river and then piled up on the far banks of the river, the town of Gilgal, took on a meaning and a significance that was huge. It was vitally important. It was beyond measure. They themselves had no monetary value. But what they did was priceless. And here's what those stones did. The stones were left there in a pile of 12 of them. And the first thing they did was this. They got the kids asking questions and so opened up a teachable moment. When the children come along and when the generations of the future come along and they see this pile of stones, they're going to ask you, Daddy, what's with the pile of stones? And you're going to get an opportunity to sit them down and tell them of the day when God stopped the river and the Ark of the Covenant stood there in all its glory. And we as a people were redeemed. Our redemption was final. We'd been taken out of Egypt and we'd, we'd, we'd journeyed for over 40 years and it was tough. But finally that day the river was stopped up and we crossed over and we entered into this incredible land of promise. Don't forget the Lord your God. Fear Him. Trust Him. Love Him. Enjoy Him. And enjoy Him today and realize that He is still our God and He's still with you. You need to hear the story of redemption. And that's the first thing. The stones provided an opportunity for people to tell the good news of what had happened to them, to their children. And the second thing that the stones did, it reminded those who had been through that river, of what happened that day. Every time the people would pass by the stones, they would have that opportunity to stop and remember. Remember that day. Remember just the, the sense of awe and fear as we passed through that river and the, the, just seeing the ark and the, the Shekinah glory of God and these millions of people passing through. We need to remember that day. We need to remember the salvation of God. We need to remember His goodness and His faithfulness. We need to remember that all this blessing that we have here in this land is a result of His gracious hand. 
He selected, saved us out of slavery and he brought us to this place of exceeding abundance just because he loves us and because he's faithful. And we need to remember him. You see, God knows what we're like. He knows our tendency to forget. We do. We get on with life and we get going and we forget. He had already reminded the people and warned the people before not to forget. Earlier, before they they had come to this river, God had spoken to them through Moses and he had written a couple of books that you know about, the first five books of your Bible are Moses. One of them is Deuteronomy. Just turn back with me a couple of pages to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this book is written to prepare the people for this entrance into the land. And you can read it. It's a great story. It's a great story of, of, of the, that preparation. And it helps set up for us the understanding of how life was to work in the land. But, but he's, just setting up, he's just setting up for them this preparation. He's preparing them. And he, uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 10. Let me read it to you. You can hear it for yourself. Well, let's back up. Um, verse 6. Observe the commands the Lord your God, uh, of your Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oils and olive and, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks and, are, are, are iron and, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Why do I feel like I'm reading the wrong passage? Check it, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you to this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see, God knows what our hearts are like. And he knew what their hearts were like. And, he, and we're just like them. And he knew what they were like. And he said, here's my fear. Here's, here's the worry. I'm taking you to a land of great wealth and riches and blessing. And when you go in there, you are going to build a little house by the river. And you're going to find that your bank account swells with gold and silver. And your flocks and your herds are going to increase. And there's going to be plenty. It's going to be the good life. You guys are going to love being there. You're going to have all that you need and more. And my fear is that while you're enjoying all of this good stuff, you're going to forget where it came from. You're going to forget me. And your hearts are going to become proud because you're going to think that you did this. You're going to start talking about your new camel and your new carpet 
and your new tent and house and all these good things that you've accumulated and your, your shrewd business deals and, and, and all this and your hard work and how the best ram in your... You're going to start talking about all the good things that you've accumulated and you've done and that's what you're going to talk about around the thing that they're going to start calling a bride. When you stand around that bride, that's what they're going to, you're going to talk about and your heart's going to be proud and you're going to make out like you did this and you're going to forget me. And in your pride, you will start to fade in your relationship with me. You'll worship idols and you'll go your own way. God knows us. And he knows that we need to remember. Because when God's people forget, they find themselves in places that they shouldn't be. They find themselves doing things that they know they shouldn't do. They find themselves with people that they know they shouldn't be with. They, know, they find themselves dealing in a way that they know is not right. They find themselves behaving in a way that is unacceptable. When we forget about who God is and what he has done for us, we can so easily be, easily be overwhelmed with fear. When we forget about him in our past, we do not see him in our future. When you face the future without God, that's a terrifying place to be in. To have to face the future without an intimate nearness of your heavenly father, the presence of your heavenly father, when you've forgotten about him, the future is fear. You should be afraid of a future without your heavenly father being there. And when you're overwhelmed with fear and you find that you can't move, it's because you've forgotten God who has never failed you. Not about to start now, but you've forgotten. And the future without God is fearful. When we forget about who God is and what he has done for us, we find ourselves sounding like someone we don't want to be, thinking thoughts we're glad that others can't see. When we forget about who God is and what he is like and what he has done for us, we find ourselves spiritually dead, flat, going through the motions, but not really, really enjoying God not worshiping him from the heart, not having our soul filled with hope and joy and peace and the desire to be with his people, to worship, to praise. When we forget about God and what he is like and what he has done, we find ourselves engrossed in the good things of life the material abundance, only to realize that we cannot remember the last time we stopped and gave thanks. So, because God knows that this is what his people are like and they've always been like that, down through the ages he gave them memorials, things like this, to remind them of what he is like. When you read through your Old Testament, you find hundreds of these sorts of things all over the place. This is just a simple pile of rocks, worthless in themselves, 
but hugely important because when they were piled up together, they would cause the young people to say, what does this mean? And we could tell them the good news. But more importantly than that, they were there to remind the people of who God is and what he had done and the promises that he has made for the future. And he's done that for thousands of years, and he has done that for us today. What we have over here is exactly the same as the, the rock over there. We've got elements that come out of a common meal. Wine, grape juice, and bread. In and of themselves, these things are not hugely valuable. I don't know, uh, 12 rand at the spa, another 15 for the drink. In themselves, the value of this is, is nothing really. You're going to spend more of this on lunch today. But when they come together like this, what we have here cannot be calculated in its worth. Because what we have here is a reminder. What we have here is a reminder of who God is and what he has done. We have a reminder of his faithfulness and his goodness. And today I want to spend some time just thinking with you about some of those things as we remember him. And I'm going to ask a couple of the guys to come. Mark, would you lead your guys up here and, and have them come and... Uh, what we're going to do is have the band come up as well. And I'm going to remind you of the significance of this simple meal. I know it's not much in the way of breakfast, but it, it, it's a symbolic meal. You're not going to be filled in your stomach, but I hope you'll be filled in your heart after eating this today. Because a simple loaf is for us today a reminder of Jesus Christ. It's a reminder of his physical body that he is the eternal son of God who took on flesh and came to this earth. It's a reminder of God's love for us because he came as a redeemer, someone to rescue us from our peril someone to rescue us from the consequence of our sin, someone to, to, to bring us into a place of safety and salvation, to give us eternal life. And it's a reminder of his body. And we need to remember the body because the body was necessary, because a sacrifice had to be made. And so this simple loaf of bread becomes a powerful reminder of the body of Christ, broken and torn. Us.